This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram. At Homestale Radio. Hello and welcome. To Homestay Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host once more as we look back at another tough week for Palace. The Eagles visited the London Stadium for the first time facing a difficult West Ham. I put the word difficult in there, it's not there in my notes. Facing a West Ham side hit by the news, star man Dimitri Payet has demanded to leave, struggling to adjust to their new surroundings. So the early signs were good, but halfway into the second half, Palace capitulated. Uh, in the form of terrible goalkeeping and abject defending, leaving West Ham easy winners by three goals to nil. Well, we look back at what went wrong and give our views uh, on where we go from here. And we want to hear from you too. Go to holradio.net forward slash contact for all the ways to get in touch. If you're opening the phone lines today, a little bit later on, there'll be Nick in the chat room, holradio.net forward slash chat, and you can tweet us at holradio. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. Right, a couple of points of order. First and foremost, we are currently, uh, I just want to say hello to everyone who's listening via Facebook. It's uh, its something that Mikey's got started for today. There's a live video running, although it's not actually a video, it's just an image, but it's actually playing the show out on Facebook. So anyone who's new and listening in for the first time, welcome, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you do comment on that uh, video, hopefully one of us will pick it up during the course of the show. Um, and I say that hopefully and one of us, uh, because we have a line-up with me today, and Patrick O'Connor is the first one I was going to introduce, and he isn't actually here. Uh, Patrick is based in New York, and clearly the time difference has got the best of him today. But I do have Mr. Jack Watson. Hello, Jack. Hello, good afternoon. Good evening, even. <laughs> That's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe time difference is affecting me as well. <laughs> it is. It is afternoon in America, so that's probably what the confusion was. Um, I do also have Mr. Nick Philpott with me. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, everybody. Come and join me in the chat room on wholeradio.net forward slash chat. He's uh, very much sounding like you want to be a game show host these days, Nick. But, uh, <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Um, there's so much we've got to talk about today, but obviously it's another abject performance, but... Well, I say that it's an abject performance. For a fair proportion of the game, it wasn't really an abject performance at all. Um, but 
you know, yet again, it's another defeat. It's another. Uh, it's just another very, very frustrating game of football for for the Palace fans to to sort of try to try and tolerate, really. And that's really what it is at the moment. It's tolerating this horrible, horrible spell. Um, and it's difficult to know where to start, but we we do try to begin always and, and talk a little bit generally about the game. I mean, first of all. You know, for 45 minutes, we were the better side. We were slow starters. West Ham probably started a little bit better than us, but by the end of uh, end of, end of the first half, we really should have been ahead. And I think the first thing to sort of pick out from that, Nick, would be the Tompkins chance. Yeah, he, I thought um, it came across to him. It got him on the right outside of his right foot and squirm, squirmed across the goal. Um, I felt a little bit, yeah, that sh- he, should have, he should have got that away. But more importantly than that, Ledley... Seemed as though he's, he was running through uh, syrup at the far post. He could have come in cut himself and just tapped it in. And th- if you think about what then came out afterwards, it was probably it was just a it, it was a showing how things were going to develop throughout the game. Um, Tompkins Topkin should have scored, but Ledley could have easily as easily have scored at the far post. It would have been a fitting reward, I think, for a, for a first half where I think we looked compact. We looked. Dogged, we were we were well organised. No one no one really lost their shape or anything like that, Jack. But uh, and it would have been would have been a fair result going into the break, wouldn't it? I think you're right. I think when you say it's organised as well, it's something we haven't seen for a long time at Palace side. We did look organised. There was a game plan which which the side was sticking to in the first half. And yeah, I think I think a goal would definitely definitely for goal for Palace would definitely have been fair. One no result into half time wouldn't be sort of unjust. West Ham did start a bit shaky. We were organised. We had a, you know, we knew what we were doing. But again, the chance creation—it's only for a set piece and Kabai's loose volley that we made any chances. So, you know, while we were quite organised in midfield and defence is good, but we just failed to make any chances. Well, cert- certainly we did. Yeah, I literally, I think it was Kabai was the only shot we had on on target. Uh, in the, in the, uh, is that right? I'm trying to think. Yeah, that is second half. Pretty sure it was. Yeah, um, just the one. Yeah, and that was you know that's that's worrying because as much as uh, Allardyce has come in and talked about you've got to fix the problems at the back and you know and if we can't win we draw, which is an in, which is you know I understand the philosophy that's what he's done at other clubs uh, and that's what you do when to to address a club that's struggling but it certainly does seem to have negated our creativity uh, already which you know that was I'll be honest with you when we had my fairly well publicised rather the idea of appointing Allardyce that was my biggest concern in the first place but it doesn't it doesn't hide from the fact that he's right and we have got an awful lot to sort out at the back um, and we'll talk about what we're doing about that a little bit later on as well um, so uh, sticking to the, to the first half talking about selection talking about tactics you know we've got it right that that way of playing West Ham couldn't create you know we had a chance to nick a goal had we done that I think the game is a very, very different match, and, and probably we go on to win. Uh, and I don't really have any issues with the selection, but um, other than perhaps in goal, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit because um, <laughs> that's that's in kind of my next section to talk about. Really. But uh, as was the performance of uh, another much maligned player, Andros Townsend. But in general, the shape, um, trying to play the ball into Benteke's feet a bit more, trying to sort of keep possession where where we could and not just continuously knock the ball on and give it away. Um, again, sticking to the first half, Nick, I think we did it a little bit better, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I mean, the, I think your I think your point you just made the lineup was actually very 
it was a good line. We look, we look at it on paper, apart from the H word in number one, okay, which we could talk about later. Um, I think the lineup was strong. I was a little bit surprised that he didn't go with. Uh, we, we spent that money on Schlupp and. And we've been crying out for a left back all season, whether we play him left back or left midfield, whatever. I, I'm a little bit surprised, but yeah, hey, I'm, I'm not too concerned about that. The other disappointment for me was that we've, we've gone to the trouble of bringing in Sully Kai Kai back from loan. Okay, well, if, he's, if you're just going to leave him in the reserves, if there is such a thing as a reserve team these days, what was the point in bringing him back? Just put him on the bench and give us an, just another option. We Obviously, we had the option of Remy and that worked a little bit in the second half. But I was a bit disappointed he didn't put Kaiko on the bench, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, well, again, I, I sort of reading between the lines of that, uh, Allardyce was quite quick to point out that the, the staff at the club told him to bring Kaiko back and have a look at him. Uh, and the suggestion I would make is that he's had a look and doesn't feel he's up to the to le- level to make a difference. Like the no, because you, he then, then went and sacked the staff. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but are you, are you in that camp as well, um, Jack? Well, I, I just I'm very surprised he didn't start against Bolton as well. But I think on I think on Saturday, you know, why is he not starting? I don't see that Townsend's offering any anything useful for us at the moment. Punchin's not as effective out wide as he used to be. You know, um, West Ham can prepare quite easily for Townsend and Punchin. But if you know Chuck Kaikai, and you know, it's something just a little bit different. It's a bit more. He's a bit more of a direct player. He's going to run at them a bit more, cause them some more problems. I was really surprised to not see him sort of have more of an influence on the team since coming back. And I think, you know, it'd be a great shame if he just goes out on loan again, especially while we have without Zahar and Sacco. You know, I just think it's a shame he's not even given the chance at the moment um, to sort of show us what he can do. I I don't think it's fair on him to come back from a a club who was quite settled at Brentford, going on quite nicely in the league. I mean, it's a bit unfair for him to come back and have to sit on the bench and watch these awfully abject performances from Townsend and it's just not fair on him. Well, we've, we've, def- we've definitely gone into the territory of talking about Townsend, haven't we? So let's do it. Um, I, I feel a bit for him in, in some ways. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to immediately sort of reel that back. It's not like I'm sitting here crying for him. You know, the guy gets paid an awful lot of money. He, he came in with a lot of promise. Um, we all kind of thought we'd got a good deal in terms of getting 30-odd million for Balassi replacing him with Townsend for 13 we all thought that looked good business and that Townsend would deliver end products you know he's now got his favourite position out on the right but like many of the players his confidence is shot to pieces um, and he's you know he's stepping out onto that pitch with no no real friends in the crowd you know uh, no everyone's waiting for him to make a mistake or you know misplace a pass or whatever or, or find a way of criticising him and, and to be honest with you he gives plenty of ammunition for that but he did do some very positive things, I thought, in the first half as well. Uh, he put a very good cross in for Menteke at the far post that was well defended by Antonio coming back uh, from his right wing-back position. If he doesn't do that, Benteke scores. Um, but that's the kind of level of commitment I, I look at. You've got a player who was on the West Ham side who was up the other end of the pitch trying to, trying to attack moments before, who runs all the way back the length of the pitch and covers at almost a centre-back position to stop one of our players scoring. You know, that's that's what you do when you're struggling. You need players like that who will dig you out. And he only passed a late fitness test. It's That's when people start talking about lack of commitment, the passion, the fight, all that kind of stuff. Our players, by comparison, seem static. When they lose the ball, they kind of throw their arms in the air rather than win it back sometimes. And all this kind of stuff, that's... That's what's missing from us. That that's when people talk about the fight. The players want to win. 
and they want to you know they want to do well but it's, it's sort of seems to be focused in the wrong direction at the moment everyone seems to think that it's all going against them and they don't pull together and, and fight properly uh and it, it's getting very frustrating we've had a whole load of comments on that basis i'm going to kind of sift through a few of them um well i get your your opinions on on, on that nick in terms of got anything to add regarding townsend do you have any sympathy for him <laughs> not a lot because I mean, what was our what was our preseason game that, that we saw him when he made his first appearance? I can't remember who, who we were playing. Well, whatever whoever it was that day, he came on, and I thought to myself, do you know what? We have done ourselves the world of good here. Okay, I think uh, the Balassi deal was right for the club, right for the player at the time, and I wish him well. But he wasn't he wasn't ever going to pull up trees. He was never going to be world-class. Uh, but what we had in Andros Townsend was a proven England international. And when I saw him at that pre-season friendly, I thought to myself, my God, this is superb. Unfortunately, ever since that moment, I c- I've got a question for you, actually, Chris. You, I know you're the one that asked, asked the questions. How about this? Is he, is he playing for the badge? Is he a mercenary? Because that's what he's being called over all the social media sites. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of it, I can see is, you know, while I think there's a lot of fraction on social media at the moment, I actually think it's, it's over, overdone. But with the, with the Benteke and Townsend thing at the moment, I'm thinking to myself, have we got on playing for the badge? Have we got people with the heart in it? I don't know if we have. Well, this, again, we, we get into a, into a territory where I'm going to end up going on a ramp. I'm going to try and save that for a little bit later on. Um, <clears throat> but in terms of the question you asked, Nick, it's, you know, I, I almost feel like asking you back what is playing for the badge you know how how are we defining that you and know, i'm not gonna it, I'll, I'll, I'll give i'll give the answer i'll give the answer and i'm not going to give the answer you're teeing me up for because yeah. i know i know what you're teeing me up for and you ain't going to get it okay what we, <laughs> what we want is we want somebody we want two or three of them to show and by the way when i said about playing for the badge and mercenaries and I'm probably adding Kabai into that as well. Okay, we want somebody out there that is has got the drive, the passion, you know, the absolute soul. If we had eleven Damon Delaney's on the pitch, okay, because you're not going to get the one that you want, Chris. But if we got had eleven Damon Delaney's on the pitch, we wouldn't have lost yesterday. I mean, did you see him when Hennessy failed to collect the very yeah. simple, silly ball? Okay, that even Chris, even the great Chris Hambley could have come out and collected. Okay, but he decided to stay on his line. Okay, Delaney turned at him and gave him the death stare. Okay, and that's what I want. That's what I'm all about: playing for the badge, playing for the team, playing yeah. for the club. Well, okay, a couple of things on that. First of all, we had 11 Damien Delaney's on the pitch. Uh, be an interesting game of diagonal passes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I know what you mean. Look, but uh, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I don't look at Damien Delaney and think that Damien Delaney plays for the, the Crystal Palace badge and understands what it means to the supporters, right? But when I look at... And that's not me digging him out. That's me saying I don't believe he does that. I believe Damien Delaney plays for his teammates... For whoever he represents, for for and for himself, you know, and his personal pride, you know, that's that's what I believe that where the strength comes from. So I, I think what I'm getting at is I think fans put so much emphasis on this playing for the badge concept, right? But it's not really about the badge; it's about the team. It's about the, their teammates because as much as we want to have this massive connection between the supporters and the players, and you do get that with some really special cases and. We'll be talking more about one of the real special cases a little bit later on in Julian Speroni. But what what we want as supporters doesn't it, it shouldn't really it's not about playing it's playing for Crystal Palace. It's 
Crystal Palace represents something different to us than it does for the players. I want the players playing for each other. I'm not bothered about whether they pat the Palace badge on. I'd like I'd like them to have a, a connection with our with our club, with our history and our supporters, but it's not necessary if as long as they are playing for, for their teammates. And you know, when you talk about that that issue for, for Hennessy there, that I mean that's that sums it up. We're gonna talk about Wayne, but it, it's that that lack of communication there, it's not just limited to the goalkeeper. It's all over the pitch at times. You know, and we were so close to being a very good team at moments. When you see us sort of moving the ball quickly, a bit of one touch passing, sometimes we're you know, we're fractions, we're millimetres away from scoring some fantastic goals. But when I see us defending that's where I see the, the cohesion and the spirit broken down. I don't see people all over the pitch busting bust a gut to chase the ball back. And that's what I think has shocked Sam Allardyce when he talked in the game uh, after the game yesterday about being shocked at the result. And shocked how we, after 70 minutes we went to pieces. There was a great tweet earlier on. Sorry, I can't credit you because I've forgotten, long since forgotten because of this question. <laughs> but uh, who mentioned that the fitness has got to be the worst it's ever been. Allardyce picked it out um, when he joined the club. We are we got to when we got it's no coincidence that we got to to that period of the game. Not made any changes. It's no coincidence that the performance level started to drop. The players do not look in the right physical shape for that. Um, we have. I'm going to stop, pause my ranting because we've been joined by Mr. Patrick O'Connor. Yay! Hello, mate. How you feeling? Sorry, uh, I was sick, so um, I'm fine now. Thank you. I'm glad to hear it. Um, you've joined so us just sorry. as we're just as we're about to talk about Wayne Hennessy. <laughs> oh, perfect timing then. <laughs> the irony. Yeah, your system. Um, so Nick's picked out a point that uh, in the first half we got our first warning shot, and that was a ball, nothing cross, comes into the area. Hennessy comes off of his line. Seemingly, the defence reacts and duck under it to a call, but. Then Hennessy takes three steps back and doesn't touch it, and it ends up bouncing between keeper and defender, only for Hennessy to have to scramble to go and collect it. And it wasn't just the death stare, as Nick put it, that, that Damo gave him. He actually screamed, "Why?" straight at him. <laughs> Which, and that—that's already that—that's the worry, isn't it? We talk about the back four, and how has this back four gone from being, you know, one of the toughest to beat to one of the, you know, to one of the most porous in the division and that's it there's no confidence in the man behind them at all uh, he has absolutely no idea where to be John Burridge a wonderful goalkeeper who likes to uh, comment on Wayne Hennessy uh, put a comment out on Twitter yesterday who said Wayne Hennessy is the worst decision maker he has ever seen and that's you know whatever whatever you think about Wayne Hennessy and it's not fair to just continuously dig out one player or anything like that and he's not deliberately making mistakes but that is you know we don't we can we're you know we're not footballers well not really <laughs> some, of have, some have played played a bit but do you know what i mean so so hennessy would be within his rights to think well what do they know they've never played football but john burridge was a superb goalkeeper in his time and he knows about you know you know he knows what a good goalkeeper is and what one isn't so patrick is he the worst decision maker you've ever seen um i really think so and that the moment you talk about Chris, I tweeted it out last night because I, w- I went back and watched a few of the important parts of the of the game, and 
at that moment, I watched with my son. I said, I looked at him and said, what is he doing? I don't understand. The ball's chip, you know, crossed into the box. Why isn't he just coming for the ball? And the, fact, the way that Delaney reacted, said anything I had, to, I had to say about it. I mean, even Delaney was like, what are you doing? And I spoke about this in the past, and we, we talked about it. The fact that he, he's so in, indecisive on crosses like that, was such a foreshadowing for what was going to happen later on. I knew something bad was going to happen later on. So I don't understand that. I mean, as a goalkeeper, you, you're kind of trained, aren't you, to, to call for crosses and come out and knock anybody down if you're coming for a cross. So how did he not come for that ball with more, with more uh, you know, decisive? I knew later on we'd, we'd be in big trouble. Yeah, that's fair enough. Jack, um, if you get the choice, is there a, um, a Premier League goalkeeper at another club that you wouldn't swap for Hennessy? <sighs> I, he's 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 not got many fans at Palace, and I can't imagine too many clubs around would want him. But just 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 going back to the general discussion on him, I think he suffers with Julian Spironi being in the wings. I think I think through his mind, any mistake that he's going to make, and he players do read what goes on on social media, so he will be seeing a lot of the comments on Twitter and Facebook, and he will be seeing people calling for duels. So he knows any decision that he makes badly or any howler that he has will get scrutinised beyond belief because Speroni's waiting in the wings obviously to extend his um, fantastic record. So I think some of the decisions he makes are influenced a little bit like that. But I remember when he first came to the club and I think it was after a game, I think it was Southampton in the Cup perhaps or Southampton in the league, it was away. But he was fantastic. We kept a clean sheet. He commanded his defence. Um, he came over at the end of the game. This was a year and a half ago. He clapped the fans. All the fans are singing his name. I remember thinking, you know, this 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 guy could be our future. You know, he could be here in ten years' time. You know, having made all these appearances, but it's just such a shame. It's just gone so far back, and he epitomises, I think, the the regression that our squad has made and the lack of confidence that everyone has in each other. And I just think, you know, we need to again build from the back, whether it's Hennessy, whether it's Sproni or or Steve coming back into the side. And just go again and just rebuild everyone's confidence. Because at the moment, it's just shot to pieces. It's not helping anyone. I, I agree the confidence has got to be a factor, right? I, I totally get you with that. That's, that's fair. But at the same time, Wayne Hennessy has been at the club for, for a long period. And, and the, the idea that Spironi is... Well, I'm not saying you're not true in terms of how the fans view Hennessy. Obviously, Julian has always been a hero, always will be a hero, quite rightly so. But Hennessy's had a long, long go at the number one jersey. Uh, I've said Jersey like you, Patrick. What's happened there? Um, <laughs> but he's had a long, not, long go. Not sure. <laughs> it's your fault. He's had a Sorry. long go at that, right? He's he's had a proper claim for that, and he's not. It's not like he's got better, you know. And got a new goalkeeping coach. Maybe that will sort something out. But you know, he's got things like he's got his own. He's got the Hennessy Shuffle. Everyone knows what the Hennessy Shuffle is. You know, he goes, he steps the wrong way at a free kick, and then watches the ball go in the other corner. That's a Hennessy, sh- Hennessy shuffle. Shouldn't exist. He's a professional goalkeeper in the Premier League. Did anyone hear that noise? That was very loud. Anyway, uh, but it's. I don't. I don't really have words to describe what what he did yesterday. Why is he coming out of the goal there? Uh, for, for the first goal, if he just stays put. They don't score. Correct. Yeah, you know. You know. Go on, say again. Correct. And you're absolutely right. I, I thought we were doing this later on, but don't, don't let me start on that because that was just suicidal. Um, the, what's in his, what made him even think that A, that he was going to get there or B, that he was even going to make contact with the ball? It was just, he set us up for the fall yesterday. And you say, um, don't 
yeah, you can't just pin it all on Jules. I think Jack makes a very good point, by the way, that in the background is is the club legend and everything else. But yeah, to elaborate on that a little bit, when he came, when he played against uh, Bolton the other day, how did he do? He played really well. Get him on. Get him. Yeah, he, he'll do Bolton, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does Everton as well. Yeah, maybe that maybe that change will happen. I do believe Mondonza will be back in as soon as he's fit. He's only a couple of weeks away, apparently. But uh, but I kind of knew that that the Bolton game did Jules an awful lot of favours because it kind of wipes away the fact that when he was last given a chance, he had a bit of a nightmare. I can't remember who it was against now. Southampton. Southampton, yeah. He, he, he really, thank you, Patrick. He really, uh, you know, and that's understandable if you haven't been playing for a while. You know, that's, that's going to happen. It's difficult to suddenly find that rhythm again. But I thought the Bolton game was going to always be, basically, you know, if, unless Hennessy gets a clean sheet, he, he's going to always get hammered for that because, um, and as it turned out, rightly so. <laughs> but I don't know. I really, I just, like I say, I was in the middle of saying, like, I struggle so much with, with what the decision being made there was. Because Antonio's free down the wing. He's not, he's not free through the centre. It's, it's beyond me. But, but you go on from that and you look at what happens with the, um, with the second goal. Now, we can all talk about what a great finish Mandy Carroll it was, okay? But here's the, here's the most con- concerning thing about that. Thing number one, the goalkeeping coach, the new, new guy, Martin Marjetson, was, inju- uh, was interviewed during the week and he talked about the goalkeeper has to be involved in the, de- the defensive work. He, he's the one who's looking out and can, or can organise his defence in front of him and help them. Yeah? Talked about that. What does the goalkeeper do when that cross comes in? He, he can look out and see. He's looking actually watching the ball. So he's watching the cross out on the wing. He's not looking in his penalty area for a start. Uh, and then this is where we start talking about the rest of our defence because obviously it's not all Hennessy's fault. It's you know we've got five defenders in a line and not one of them is marking the single West Ham player in the box. Uh, what? <laughs> What's that? You I know, think I, 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 I think what, what, Scott Scott Dan or Delaney should be telling because Carroll cleverly put himself on Ward for most of the game. He's going to win all the headers against Ward, who might struggle against. Delaney and Dan a little bit more, but Ward just—I I don't understand how he had no idea Carroll was there. You know, Carroll was a good two, three foot away from him. Ward turned around and was probably surprised as all of us to see Carroll sort of, you know, score that kind of goal. But he's just someone's got to tell him, or he's got to look around and get closer to him. And you know, Hennessy's probably got the best view for that. Dan might have to be looking around. Then Ward's got to take some responsibility as well for you know letting his marker get two, three yards on him. Yeah, absolutely, Jack. But you've got to think about this. All five of the players are looking at the ball come in. So even if they're not standing in the right place, one of those five at some point has got to think, yeah, I better I better get out to this and head it. And you're right to pick out Ward. Because if you think about Joe Ward watching that ball come in, the amount of time he has got to go and stand where that ball is going to drop and head it out is absolutely unbelievable. But he makes no movement towards the ball whatsoever. But that's that that one cross takes out five Palace defenders and a goalkeeper. You ever seen anything like that, Patrick? I I, I really haven't. But the funny thing, Chris, that second goal is the one I'll actually give him the, the the least amount of grief on Hennessy because of the equality by you know by uh by Carroll. You're, you're right. I think I blame that more on the defense. But again, that would go back to me the fact that they don't think he's going to come for the ball. 
So there's hesitation there. Is he coming? Is he not coming? You know, a new, what, is a new coach telling us to come for every, every cross? Is he coming now? He's not going to come. And I blame that definitely more on Ward. But going back to that coach, by the way, do you know he coached Tennessee for seven years at Wales? Yeah. So I thought, I, <laughs> yeah. Not, you know, it, it sounds funny, but I've got absolutely no faith in this man coming and changing uh, what Hennessy does. And especially based on what he did yesterday. But going back a little bit, Chris, you talked about before about Sporoni having that really bad game. And obviously that game pretty much set us up to get a new goalie, which is Mondanda, for this season. But I want to go back to the last season. I, want, I, really want to, I really wonder why. At no point last year, and we could all pick out two or three games last year where Hennessy played really poorly. Did Pardew not decide, you know what, I'm going to give uh, Spironi five games here or McCarthy five games here. We know McCarthy had that really bad game against Liverpool, so he never got yeah. another chance. But why, in God's name, I'm being very serious, why during our whole stretch last season did that man did not decide, you know what, I'm going to give somebody a five to ten game stretch. You gave Hennessy the entire season last year. He never, ever, ever got benched. Besides, like I said, yeah, he gave McCarthy one match and McCarthy messed up. And I don't think it was McCarthy's fault on that play. It was a really freakish. could happen to anybody. Never gave him another chance and we sell him. I don't understand why we couldn't have given Baroni that same exact chance for five, six games. And if he messes up, how much worse are we going to be than we were with Hennessy? And that fact it upsets me so much that Hennessy's been given, basically been given a chance to play the entire time. And we've seen him. You just said it before. He's been, he's been the same player he was last year. Indecisive. The Hennessy shuffles, nothing new to us. It's very frustrating as, as, as a supporter to watch that. And then to, to blame the, the, the coaches, which I think, again, you can blame the old coach all you want. But this man had the guy seven years as a national team coach. What's he going to do to change things? It's frustrating. Well, it really, really is. Well, hopefully he'll be really honest with Sam Allardyce and just say he's not good enough. He is, as, as I know you've said, Patrick, on, on Facebook, he is the worst goalkeeper in the Premier League. There's, I cannot, I, I hate to say it, because I'm not trying to be unfair to someone, but I'm just saying there, there is nobody at another club that I wouldn't take over him. And you say that, Chris, and you know, people don't know how important having a goalie is. And you're absolutely right. That, what kind of statement is that to make, that we have the worst goalie league? And even our goalie for the last year, and almost a year and a half. Really? We have the worst goal league, and he hasn't improved in a year and a half. Yeah, he's had some good matches. Got to give him credit. He's had some good matches. But right. I put something out on Twitter the other day about, you know, match winners, Chris, on purpose. And I said, you know, when's the last time you remember, you know, Julian's probably been a match winner and, and Wayne Hennessy? You know what game they, they mentioned for Hennessy every single time? Southampton game last year when we won 1-0, where he really played yeah. really well. One match when we can all sit here and name plenty of matches for Julian Speroni. And I bet if we watched Wondanda in France, we're going to name plenty of matches that he was a match winner. How could you pick a, a guy who's basically had one good match for you, or, you know, been a match winner, sorry, not one good match, that's wrong, in, in a year and a half? That's ludicrous. And you're right. I would pick, I, the only goal I can think is actually worse is Claudio Bravo for Man City. And that's yeah. a stretch because we all know how much quality he was at Barcelona. So it, 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 this is ridiculous. We keep picking him every single time. Yeah, like, and obviously, you, I know. We, Clearly, some someone saw something, you know, whether it was Pardew or the, the coaching Absolutely. staff or what. Clearly, they saw something in in, in, in terms of going and getting Steve Mondanda, right? Um, no, we got some comments on Facebook again. Thank you for joining us via Facebook. Uh, those of you who are listening through our uh, our posts on there, our live video. Um, one day we might actually have an actual video of us doing the show, but uh, I'm fighting against it because you don't really need to see my face, but. Uh, you know that might happen in the, in the future, but there's some comments on there as well, and a couple about the, the goalkeeper situation. Uh, Martin Reg Regnard uh, saying Spironi needs to be getting games. Uh, Mark Callahan has said that Hennessy's lack of confidence has affected the back four. Spot on there. Uh, I think Sam should get Jaws back in. 
uh, work with him, Tompkins, Dan, Delaney and Ward, get them confident and solid again. Uh, my, my thoughts are, and I'll probably say them again later on, that we'll see Jenkinson come in for a right-back and Schlupp will take the left-back position or potentially another left-back signing there. So I think the full-backs, which we pointed out on this show a few times that we've, we're a bit concerned that they're not up to the, the modern game, if you like, the Premier League standard. Um, because, you know, as we talked about before, you have to get up and down the pitch as a fullback now in the Premier League. You have to be able to attack and defend all game, up and down all game. Be quick as well. And we really struggle out wide. Um, who else? Get Jaws back in goal from Richie Peter Tennant. Uh, get guys like Kai Kai to play for Palace and we need Jimmy Mack. Um, there we go. Uh, just see if we've got any more there. No. There you go. Uh, some stuff talking about uh, Ben Teke. Um Townsend and also Kabai mentioned in there and those are players we'll be talking about in just a moment we'll be opening the phone lines after our little break in a bit and uh, so you'll be able to get in touch with your view uh, so take the number down now it's 0208 123 that's 0208 uh, you'll be able to give us a call just after this short message and there that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football at FanDuel. You select a team of Premier League players for a single day's fixtures. That means you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win in one day. When your players nail it on the pitch, you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard. FanDuel's scoring system uses Opta stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution. So, outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise. Every Premier League match day with FanDuel and just for Homestale radio listeners we've got an extra special offer right now when you sign up use the promo code PALACE that means if you don't make money in your first contest FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10 so go to FanDuel.co.uk and use the promo code PALACE to grab the offer now what are you waiting for? terms apply over 18s only please play responsibly yeah buddy Right, a couple of tweets to clear up. We'll also have a bit from the chat room in just a moment. Uh, uh, we've got a caller as well. Let's go for it. We've got a caller. Let's have that straight away. Hi, hello. Radio. How you doing? Oh, good evening. Is this Homestyle Radio? It is indeed. Hello, good evening. My name is James. I'm a season ticket in the upper. And okay. I'm just ringing up in defence of our goalkeeper, Wayne Hennessy. Okay. I am sick, sick and tired of listening to people asking for Spironi to be put back in goal. He's not the answer. Hennessy is the best goalie we have at the club. Uh, does that and, not worry and, the hell out of you? Sorry? 
Does that not worry you if he's the best we've got, uh, considering the number of mistakes he's making? Do you not think he's making errors? Do you not? Do you not think he's got a bad back four playing in front of him? Well, I think I think the confidence starts with the goalkeeper, doesn't it? Now, I think the back four. You know, you, you can certainly ask questions, particularly at fullback. I think that's right. But look, the goalkeeper, you, you may feel he's been made a scapegoat. You may not. But I think he's making errors that a goalkeeper in the Premier League shouldn't make. So uh, but why do you think those errors are if it's not down to when, him? Let me just, let me just uh, say something about Spironi. When Spironi last had a run of games, we was top of the... Uh, when he had a proper run of games, we, we, top of the, we was in the Premier League. We got into the Premier League and we had a run of games. And it left us in the relegation area. Now, nobody was blaming the goalkeeper then. We was either blaming the manager, we was blaming the tactics, we was blaming the team, we was blaming the board for not investing. But nobody came out and said, it's the goalie's fault. Now, all of a sudden, we're in a bad run. We're in a bad situation at the moment. I'm not denying that. But yeah, yeah. It's been going on for quite a while. But at the, t- at the, the previous times we've had bad situations, nobody has blamed the goalkeeper. With all due respect to Julian Spironi, he's a lovely fellow. I've spoken to him a few times. He's always been gracious, always been there for a photo, an autograph, etc., etc., etc. He's played a hell of a lot of games for us, and he is a club legend. But with all due respect, people need to get off this bandwagon to say that he's going to be our saviour. So I, I don't disagree with you at all there, James, Right, in terms of Spironi being a, a long-term answer. I think we've already signed a goalkeeper who we want to be the long-term answer. Whether or not he ever settles well enough to do so, I don't know. But I do think you have got to look at Wayne Hennessy and say, OK, maybe maybe with Spironi's age, it, what it is and all that kind of stuff, maybe Wayne is the better goalkeeper overall. But right now, I think at the very least, you've got to say Wayne's confidence is shot to pieces. And I still And I feel that a confident Spironi would surely be a better option. And do you not think, that, 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 do you not think he's lost confidence in the back four? Um, I don't, again, you're, you're probably right, but he's he, never he, been... I mean, there was a case there yesterday at West Ham. The ball come across from, as we're looking at the game, come across from the left, so down, down the West Ham right. He came over, he went over Delaney's head. He bounced in just outside the six-yard. I'd rail with a... Uh, uh, a disagreement with a Palace man in the crowd is what should have happened about it. Surely yeah. Delaney, A, should have cleared it, or B, called keeper's ball. And, you... and they all left it. Hold on, they all left it. Delaney, Hennessy, Dan and Tompkins. They all left it and it ran across the area. Surely somebody should be a captain, be a leader, and say, I agree with you. Hennessy may have sh- sh- shouted out keeper, yeah. but he was coming over Delaney, said Delaney should have put... Hennessy in a situation to say that's your ballkeeper or I'm going to clear it. Well, if you, again, this, I suppose it's all down to interpretation, but the way I saw that, if you actually look as the ball came in, Damien Delay's going for it. He's actually going for that ball. And then he gets a shout and he, and he ducks down. Well, no, no, no. You assume he got a shout. You can see it. You can see it on the pictures, can't you? Right, OK. Well, I couldn't see he got a shout. But carry on anyway. No, but you see, what I mean, look, but but I think I think it does highlight. I think you highlight a really good issue that confidence is a two-way street. Okay, it t- totally is. It is it's, a two-way street, and the thing is that everybody at the moment. Let's say let's say Spironi, right, again. And sorry to interrupt you, but the last time Spironi played in goal was up at Old Trafford in the Premier League game. He made he dropped the ball twice. Yeah. Has everybody forgotten about that? One of one of them uh, boobles he made led to a goal. Has everybody forgot about that? 
Yeah, no, I, I take the point. I was making a similar point just before you called that uh, the, the Bolton game. I didn't, I didn't hear that. No, it's cool. No, no the Bolton that, game does seem to have. Bolton game. Bolton game was a nil-nil. He kept a clean sheet, but how many shots yeah. did he have to keep? How many shots did he have to stop? Didn't have yeah, a lot of work to do, really, did he? Very valid Being point. Fair, he didn't have yeah. a lot. He didn't have a lot of work to do. But I do feel that that result was the thing that set people's their minds, minds were made up before the game even kicked off. But look, at the end of the day, Wayne Hennessy's made. Some errors against West Ham. You know, the, the first goal is his fault. Bottom line, you know, the, the defence should have watched the watched the player break, but is in no is absolutely in no man's land. You know, and like I say, John, you got a keeper of John Burridge's experience well, coming out and saying, "Oh, I'm sorry." God, he's coming out and saying that he's the worst decision maker he's ever seen. You know, that's that's a guy who well, knows his keepers. Yeah, and this is a fellow who used to make the crowd laugh by standing on his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, no, I'm, James... not, I'm, not knock, I'm not knocking John Burridge, but we're all entitled to our opinion, hence why you have this great great show and, and a good phoning. But yeah, my, my problem being is people are jumping on the bandwagon blaming Hennessy. Every week it's getting the same. Nobody looks at why was no why was the ball played like it was? No one closed the player down in midfield to play the ball in, in for the first goal. Yeah, I think the, you're the, right. You, you look at the goals on Match of the Day or Sky, whichever you watch, our defence, all three goals... Was all, were, they were all over the place. Yeah, this Nalladice said the same the thing. Place. He said there was there was a catalogue of three errors before before the ball goes through for Hennessy to make that mistake. But look, James, it's, it's important we get all all the range of views, and it's great to have someone yes. on who's defending yes. Hennessy. So I really appreciate your call, mate. That's thank uh, you, no really, thank you so much. Keep up the sterling work. Nice one. Thank Take you, care, mate. See you. Cheers, Cheers lads. Bye bye. Now, cracking call from James there, fighting his corner, and rightly so. He's uh, you know supportive of Wayne Hennessy. And he's and he's right in a lot of ways, isn't he, Jack? In terms of the fact that you can't just point out point at the goalkeeper and say he's the only problem. No, definitely. Um, I don't. He's not. He's not being helped by four defenders in front of him who look like strangers who are letting in all kinds of shots. You know, they're not. They're not a tight unit. And under under Pulis, we got a lot of clean sheets. Um, Hennessy was was part of those um, as well as some other ones. But yeah, he's he's just not helped by the defenders, and it is a bit unfair. You know, always criticise him. I feel like this weekend he deserve. He, you know, it's just because the individual errors. But you know, his 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 general performance. He is he's open to a, a lot more shots. Um, I while we had while we had James on just now, um, I asked people for their thoughts on Twitter, and I've had um, at Liam Tallis say I think James is Wayne Hennessy of a Cockney accent. So there we go. <laughs> Cheers for that, Liam. Anyway, we do have another caller. Hey, who's that? Hello, it's Gary. Hello, uh, Gary. How you doing, mate? I'm very well yourself. Well, I am delightful, as Good. always. The airwaves are yours, mate. Lovely. Just a couple of points from me, really. Um, I think a lot of the problem um, has, has, has sort of been coming for many months because we've lacked leaders uh, in the team. Um, I, I think, you know, right from day one, we've bought good players, we've bought big names, uh, but as well as paying good money for for strikers, midfielders, you've got to buy characters. Um, and I feel we lack characters. Um, my other point is, just going back to the goalkeeper, um, any good goalkeepers in the Premier League or in the Championship have a presence. And for me, Hennessy has no presence. Everything he does is half-hearted. And that's not to blame him for the run that we're on. But what I will say is, like the two goals yesterday where he's left his line. If you're going to leave your line, go and get it. 
don't go and do something and go halfway and stop. Totally, totally agree with that, Gary. And I think, oh, we've lost Gary. Uh, let's see if we can get Gary back on to produce some people. But while, uh, while oh, he might be back, but while we do that, um, his first point on leaders, we had a uh, an email in earlier on from Alex Rosling as well, talking about the lack of Welcome leadership. to the messaging service. Oh, well, we'll try. <laughs> Hopefully Gary will be... If he, uh, if he calls back, Mikey, put him straight through. Um, but uh, uh, Alex sort of pointed out as well that... Uh, you know, our current side is lacking leaders and players willing to fight for the club. Puncher looks like the only one who wanted it. Um, but he much he said it was great we're in the top flight. Much preferred the days in the championship when we had fighters like Jednak, Ramage, Superkev, and uh, the man- managers like Holloway and Freeman. Uh, talking about leaders, it's a really popular subject on social media, I've noticed. Um, and, you know, a lot of it, I, I guess, from, from my perspective, a lot of my thoughts over leadership stems from that interview we did with Dougie back in the last year. We talked about that's how he changed the squad, and it's there's no doubt whatsoever that the the changes in our squad took out leaders, and and Jedinak is one that people bring up all the time. But when people bring up, you're laughing because you know where I'm going with this, Nick. Because when people bring up the fact that a leader's been taken out of the team, yeah, hundred percent, you're you're right, and you've got to try and bring in someone who can offer the same level of leadership and commitment. Uh, bottom line is that even people like Spironi's a leader. Damien Delaney's a leader. You know, you just try and think about who else was in that team. Ramage is another one that you point out that was pointed out there. People like Glenn Murray, you know, who was a huge part of the squad. Um, and the tight knit nature of that squad that brought, that came up. And let's face it, if we look at all the, the teams that have come up recently, the fact that it's not the same three teams that come up that get relegated every year, it's because most of them do come up with with a proper team spirit that's been engendered over a period of success. But at some point, that squad has to break up. It has to change. Like, so, you know, Glenn Murray has got to a certain age and, and had to drop down to the championship, right? Uh, Damien Delaney is is approaching, you know, a, a period of time where he will have to retire. Bottom line, you know, he's not going to go on forever. Uh, Mile Jednak is, is 32, 33, and he's dropped into the championship. No one in the Premier League bought him. You know, and let's not... Ignore the fact that when we sold Jednak, this is what gets me, and I get really quite annoyed about this when I read it on social media. Go, people go, we should never have sold Mila Jednak. I'm, I'm sorry. Did, well, the, the same Mila Jednak who was at the squad, you know, in, in the squad for six months, where we played, we were playing abject football and, and losing football matches, where we were talk, everyone was talking about the fact that he's passed it. His passing isn't good enough. Teams are just playing around him now, you know. Oh, we've moved on from that. We need someone better. Everyone was saying that. The people, people are now pretending that they weren't. It absolutely drives me mad. And it's the same old stuff with Gail and Murray. These are two players who, they, they've left us. Deal with it. They didn't leave us for other teams in the Premier League for a reason. It's why Gail, I have no doubt, will be back, right? He's, he's, I've said it before. He's dropped down into the championship. It was perfect for him. But Glenn Murray is 33, going on 34. He's had a serious knee injury. He is not. This up the idea that if we kept Glenn Murray, we'd be in the Champions League places is ridiculous. You know, it's we're in this position where people are frustrated, but they keep they keep doing this thing. I said it pre-show. They think if X is not true, then the answer is Y. That's not how real life works. 
you can't just say that the opposite of something is, you know, selling Glen Murray and the club aren't doing better, aren't doing very well. So therefore, if we hadn't sold Glen Murray, club would be doing well. It doesn't work that way. We've, you know, we we had to change the team. We had to change the squad. And unfortunately, that would always unsettle. You know, someone like you go back to Ferguson. He was a master at it at Man United. Every time players got to a certain age or got to a certain attitude, if you like, he moved them on and replaced them with with players who could offer the same type of stuff. You know, we're not a Man United, and we don't have Alex Ferguson in charge of us. So, it's a very very difficult skill. You know, and ultimately, it cost Pardew his job. Him trying to do that. I've spoken for long enough. Who wants to come in on that? <laughs> can I come in very quickly, Chris? Yeah, of course you can. Um, on Facebook um, Live, uh, John Gunn said, we need 11 Jim Cannons. So my point about Jednak is this. Um, when Stevie Cobble took over, he got rid of Jim Cannon. Now, I'm a bit older than most of you. Me and Nick are the same age. So I saw Jim Cannon you know, as a Palace player. Great leader, uh, great player. But on that team, something was going on, so Cobble got rid of him, which is fine. Cobble went on to become our greatest manager. That was fine. With Jednak now, now I've, I've, I think I've been one of the biggest fans of Jednak uh, you know, on the show because I'm, I'm a big fan. But even I, I realized that it was time for him to move on. The problem that I have, though, that we never replaced him. Now, not only replace him as a player, but as a leader. If you're going to get rid of, of Mille Jednak out of the clubhouse, is that a word in, in a... In a we, know, we know what you mean. Yeah, change, change, <laughs> changing room, mate. Changing room. <laughs> I knew it didn't sound like we came my mouth. Sorry about that. In the changing room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got to replace him. And we never, we really haven't. I mean, you talk about we have leaders, Chris, but when you think about it, Gen X's presence was unbelievable. I remember the, the, the uh, semi-final, I flew over for semi-final against Watford, and, that, and that, that picture of the four players sliding and make that, that stop. He's one of the four players. It's him, it's Stan, it's Delaney, I think it's Ward. That kind of spirit is, is Jedinak, but we never replaced that. And I think that was the biggest mistake Pardew made, not in selling him, but in the fact that he never, his personality was so big in the changing room that Pardew, I don't think, wanted him in there. But he never replaced it, and that's what we're really missing. And that's what really drives me crazy. Not that we got rid of Jednak, because I loved him as a player, but the fact that we never replaced his personality or the player. And getting him back now to me makes no sense. I'm with you, Chris, but he was never replaced. And that's the thing that people don't see, is that you don't have to be a, on the field to be a leader. You can be you know, around the changing room, in and about, talking you know, behind the scenes. But he, that player is necessary. A lot of player managers will keep that player around because he's such a... Uh, Big deal. Look at Paddy McCarthy, Chris. How long do we have him on the books when he couldn't even play? But we knew he was a big part of the background. Do you know what I mean? And we got, you know, and then he retired. Now he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a coach, an academy coach. But the point is, having played like that around are important, and we don't have that anymore. And it's, a, it's so, so obvious. No, no, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. You know, I'm kind of, I was kind of trying to make the similar argument in that, you know, when you do. Like, when I talk about Ferguson, I talk about the players he replaced players with. He was always of the same character. And, you know, yes. to be fair, uh, Brent's got in touch on Twitter and he's, he's, you know, in response to what I was saying. And he said, look, players can change, but you don't dismantle the team culture. And that's, that's right. That's, that's the skill, right. isn't it? That's, that's the skill there. And like I said, it cost Pardew his job because he wasn't able to do it without, without losing that culture, without losing that togetherness. Now, I don't doubt, um, you know, I think Allardyce has made reference to it already. I don't doubt that there's still a good spirit down on the training ground, but the confidence has gone. And when the confidence has gone, you really do need something to lift. Um, and that's something usually does come from outside, uh, be it a signing, be it a change of manager. But unfortunately, the change of manager hasn't given us that little bounce, that little lift that we thought it would. Um, well, I've got some views in the chat room, Nick. 
Yeah, I've got lots of... And by the way, the chat room this evening, bearing in mind we're doing other socials as well at the moment, the chat room is as, bu- as busy tonight as I've ever seen it. Uh, in fact, they're actually making comment on the fact that we're doing all our new socials on Facebook Live, and they're saying, do you remember the days when we were back in the championship? There was only six of us in the chat room. Well, there are eight now. Uh, so good evening, everybody, <laughs> in the chat room. Um, there are a lot of them are agreeing with Patrick's points. Uh, who was it? It was Andy A said, spot on Patrick. We let him go and we never replaced him. Obviously going on about uh, Jedinak. Uh, cool Eagle 89 saying uh, uh, he kept continuously lost the ball on the ground. Okay. And that, was, that is the theme. Um, and somebody says, uh, oh, J-Dog 3 just said, not only are they losing confidence in the players, they're, they're losing the confidence of Nick in the chat room because <laughs> it, it's the first time I've been on <laughs> oh, best. you've got to do you've got to do some sterling work keep them involved for the next sort of 10 to 12 20 minutes probably we're going to have to extend this slightly uh, a few comments from uh, Facebook as well um, Mark Callan is saying that Parks didn't make Jen Nack why get rid of not have a replacement I think that's exactly the point we're, uh, we're making Scott Barnes uh, Jedi left when he found out he lost captaincy on international duty dealt totally wrong by Pardew I think that's something that you've said before in the past, uh, Patrick. That it's not just it's not just losing Jednak. The way it was done was pretty shocking as well. Um, yeah. uh, Dave Martin Williams also agreeing, saying Jednak hasn't been replaced or even attempted to be replaced. Though uh, I think we you know we must still be looking, I guess. But uh, uh, John John Lennon, I don't think it's that one, uh, has also confirmed that you know he he thinks the same thing that when he lost his captaincy, uh, he did leave in a half. But he said he should have fought for his captaincy back which is an interesting view. Colin Squire, senior, totally agree with Hambo regarding the ex-players stop going on about them. Thank you, Colin. <laughs> oh, dear. I've lost so much hair worrying about getting angry about that. Summer <laughs> uh, Kirsten has got in touch. Say, give me the players with heart and passion. Drop Benteke, Kabai, Townsend and Hennessy. Players that want to play for the badge. Uh, and lastly, but not leastly, John Fillingham. Uh, if we can control the midfield a little bit, a whole position, it would give the defence confidence along with a commanding goalkeeper. We seem to have a midfield that either isn't interested, can't work together, or not of good enough quality. And I mentioned obviously left-back has been a problem for a while, but we need a really commanding, bruising midfield and we might start winning ugly. And that is uh, something that, so some words that Allardyce used, winning ugly and all that kind of stuff, which is it's true, we don't have that type of midfield anymore. But let's... Use that as a bit of a springboard to talk about a couple of players that were mentioned in there. Uh, I'm going to start with... I, I was going to start with Kabai, but we, we've talked a fair bit about Kabai of late. Uh, Patrick, I know you've been frustrated by him, but I think of late he's been a, a much better influence on the side. What's your current view? Um, I'm uh. not seeing it. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. Listen, I want to go back a little bit on, on Kabai because... This is going to sound uh, bad, but I've got nothing to lose, really. I really think the thing started to go bad when we signed him, and I'll tell you why. He's obviously a very good player, Chris, but we bought, we bought him at the wrong time. We weren't ready for a player of, of his ability and, and, his, and his paycheck. And I think that the fact that he's come into this team unsettled a lot of players. I think upset, unsettled Zaha, Balassi, um, some other players. You know, he was, He's on such huge uh, wages that... He unsettled us, and and then, and then the manager came and made that comment about you know, oh, well, if you you know, he's on a different pay structure because of how good he is. And I've yet to you know, he's had some good matches, of course he is. He's a, he's a quality player. I just think that um, he was the wrong player for us at the wrong time. We tried to push on and move on, and I don't think he's right for us. And I I really look back on on a lot of games, and he does have some good matches, but we don't win a lot of those matches. We really don't. 
he plays well in games we don't win. And I think when you play is that, again, I sound like I'm blaming him for, our, and I'm not really blaming him, but I feel that he, he, can, he can do more and he hasn't. I understand what he plays. He's not a number 10. He's more of a, an old-fashioned number four or a number eight where he's sitting in front of the back four, picking the ball at the back four and moving the ball. But I just think that um, a lot of things have come down to the way we, we've done poorly is because when we signed Puyai, we, could, we signed him with a ability to, to, what's the word that uh, Pardew used, to um, transition, and we've really yeah. gone the wrong way. I don't disagree. Sorry, I'm just uh, topping up my wine. I'm in the wrong position to be speaking. I've decided I'm going to keep the show running until I've finished the bottle. So, uh, just <laughs> Excellent. Um no, in all seriousness, you're making, a, you're making a good point, Patrick. And you're not the only one who's made that point. Um, I'll come to you in a sec, actually, Nick. But what um, it was, it's, uh, John Ellicott, I think it was on Twitter, got in touch earlier on and said the same thing. And then ever, ever since we sort of broke the pay structure with getting Kabay in, it, it just seemed to break something in the club. Um, I, don't, I don't 100% know that I agree. I can, I can see it. I can see it being the case to a point. Um, and I certainly think that breaking that pay structure and doing that for a few more players as well um, has left it difficult for us to to sort of do the, the, the business we want to do this January, funnily enough. Right, exactly. I think that's a, that's another downside to it. But yeah, okay. It, it, but again, I think it's something that kind of had to happen. Because if you look at us and you look at other teams, you can't really, other than teams have only recently been promoted, any team that has been in any length of time has had to go out and do that, buy players of a certain quality and pay them a certain wage and start, you know, bringing the best of their players that are already at the club onto these bigger contracts. And it's a, I still think it's part of, it's part of the Premier League. It's part of being in that position. It's, you know, bottom line is at some point you do have to change that squad and how you do it and how you manage it dictates whether you get to stay there or not. It's a very, very difficult thing to do. And I think we, Again, we we aren't we're right to criticise, right? And you're right to point out things like that where that was a moment where something changed, and it did. But it was inevitable if we stayed in this division that we were going to have to do that. You know, it's it's the modern game, I think. Nick, your views? Yeah, was it though, Chris? I mean, uh, part of me is actually I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I actually agree with what you're saying, but uh, part of me is actually arguing with you. Yeah, I think about the Burnley style. I mean, Burnley haven't gone. I put a, a word in the chat room a minute ago. Have we gone all corporate? And just going back to Patrick's point, which was very well made, since the Kabai signing and the increase in the salary, and we've done the same thing with Townsend, we've done the same thing with Benteke, we have gone all corporate. and We've gone all Premier League. I know it's a stupid thing to say because we are Premier League, but hold on. We've also lost the heart and soul of the club. The thing that got us up there, okay, wasn't the fantastic players, the ability of all the squad. It was the heart, the soul, the the the, the willingness to go for it, you know, in adversity. Well, we, I'm sorry, but we haven't got that now. Okay? But people like Burnley, look at where they are. Look at Watford. Yeah, you know, they've still got the nucleus of the team that they've got them promoted, okay, and they haven't gone all corporate like we have. Yeah, but, but Burnley and Watford are further back than us right in terms of their journey in the Premier League at some point they will reach a point where they have to start replacing their most influential players through either uh, a drop in form or uh, their age getting the better of them or something or maybe they're moving on to other clubs right at some point that will happen and how they manage that will dictate whether or not they stay in the Premier League just like it does us that's the point I'm making you know we we were a Burnley weren't we we were a Watford we finished what was it 
12th, 10th, 16th, those are all finishes so far, something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? look, what, look at where we are now, and look at where they are now. Yeah, but but I make but yeah, but we're we're ahead of them, aren't we? In terms of our, we're 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 in our fourth season in a row. When they get to their fourth season in a row, let's see if they're able to maintain that. Let's see if they're able to keep that team together. Because let's not forget that they've not been in there as long as we have, have they? Yeah, but uh, so, 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 I mean, so all you're saying is that they're going to spend some more money on twinkly lights like we have. It doesn't make them a great... No, 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 make... not, not talking about lights. I'm talking about the surgery they have to do on the squad. I'm talking about the fact that their most influential players, Watford, Burnley, whoever, whoever it may be, Bournemouth, their most influential players will eventually move on for one reason or another. Okay? And how they replace them, it will, it's the exact thing for us, right? It's how, how we replace our players, how they replace their players will dictate whether or not they can stay in the Premier League. And you, know it, what, we, we, you, go. you know what, Chris? I think the Watford uh, comparison is excellent because they're, they're a year behind us, you know, yeah. and we, you know, we, we, we knocked them out that year. They came up the following year, both of the semifinal last year. And for me, Dean is the most influential player by far. He's the captain. So you're absolutely right. What they do the next season and uh, two ahead with Dean and other players is going to be huge. Are they going to bring in a bunch of, you know, they already have a majority uh, foreign team anyway, but did they go out and buy a Kabai-like or Payet-like player and break and break their way structure and mess it up and who replaces Dean as the leader because obviously he's their leader so it's a yes. very good comparison and so Watford is a very good way to look at things what do they do next? If you look at if you look at them exactly you know that comparison exactly I'm very aware we need to give Jack a chance to speak at some point but <laughs> but if Sorry. you look at that comparison exactly right they are you're right they're a year behind us and it's already started for them because they surprised everyone when they came up a bit like we did. The next year they consolidated, did really well, and they had a great uh, strike partnership that was firing. Yep. This season, that strike partnership start, has failed, and they've brought in another striker. I can't remember his name now. His brain's gone. But they uh, and they've they've started messing around with it, trying to get it to work, and they've started to struggle in uh, in, in certain games. And have gone on runs of very very poor form, just like we were. A little misfiring, and then go on a little run, and it all seems better again, and then misfire again for a while. And I, I can guarantee you. They'll get to next season and they've got to make a big call. How do we address this? How do we how do we kick on? How do we do that thing which is we all hate to hear, which is next level? Because then we all start thinking about what happened with Charlton, what happened with Leeds, what happened with Sheffield Wednesday, what, what happened with Blackburn Rovers, all this thing, like next level stuff. Yeah, that's, you know, and that, um, we were seeing that with Swansea now. They came up, did brilliantly, won the League Cup. Um, they're, they're, they're their biggest players. Leon Britton, Ashley Williams, they've moved on, whether it's through age or progressing in their career. And now they're struggling. You know, Lukuba scored for Burnley on Saturday to give them three points. Joey Barton, he's not going to be playing playing there next year or in two years' time. So I think with promoted sides, the, the transition from the team that got you promoted is probably the toughest at, in, at the moment is, is it going to be. So, you know, this, if we can stay up this year... You know, it's really important that we we find a balance. We find a team that that you know, you know, the fans can to, can relate to, and that and that can get us through the next couple of years. Because it's so important now that we can kick on like a team such as Southampton, who have done really well, or Stoke to stabilise themselves in the Premier League to make sure we don't get caught on. So you know, it's really really important that we do not, um, you know, get you know feel too sorry for ourselves that we've got to kick on a bit. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I actually like that's a good phrase. Don't feel too sorry for ourselves. We've got a similar point uh, was made by Alex Rosling on, on Twitter. He said, that, you know, I agree we lost the heart and soul of the club, you know, by losing that team. But he says, but 
just accept it. We've got to move on. Or if we don't accept it and move on, we are going to go down. And, you know, I think that's that's quite a good way of putting it. You know, we've, we've kind of, we've got, we've made our bed. We've got to lie in it and we've got to, you know, pull together and, and hope for something better. Because you know, certainly by the end of this month, you know, the, the squad's going to be fixed. Allardyce would have done what he can do in the transfer market and then he's got to work with those players. And it's interesting to hear him talk about, yeah, okay, the, the transfer window is important, but the players that are here have got to play better. So we've we've gone from a point where I, you know, the first couple of years of being back in the Premier League, I, you know, I say this with all due respect to those players, there's so many players were playing above the level I thought they'd ever get to. Um, but now we're in a position where we've got a, a fair proportion of that team is playing well within themselves. Uh, and on that, let's move on to talking about Christian Benteke. Because he is taking an awful lot of stick on social media, uh, the message boards and what have you. There's a, there's a fair few people who think he's a huge waste of money, hmm. uh, of nowhere near the quality that, we, that people seem to think is all this kind of... That's the stuff I'm reading. Um, I, again, I, I'm in danger of about third or fourth rant if I go too far in this. So by all means, stop me. But so... I feel that Palace fans, I've said this before, really struggle with a, with a striker who plays a certain way. I think if we've got a striker who will run around like a madman, chasing every lost cause... Cameron uh, Jerome. Cameron Jerome. I think the yep. Palace fans will give him so much... They go, look, he works so hard, though. Yeah, yep. he, wor he works yep. so hard. He's working for the team. And they forget that he's useless, right? Um, whereas someone like Ben Teke doesn't... He doesn't play like that. And it doesn't mean he's a bad player. It doesn't mean he's lazy. He can look incredibly lazy when he's got no service. He can look hugely, hugely disinterested and have zero influence on the game if we're sitting back and leaving him up top on his own. So you do does beg the question, why play like that if you've got Christian Benteke in your side? Which I think is a valid question to make. But it's very noticeable that, that Allardyce has straight away said, look, there's no point having Benteke up there and lofting every pass to his head. You've got to get it to the chest or to feet so he can bring other people into play. He probably was able to do that maybe three or four times in the entire game against West Ham. And that's not on him. It's part of it's on him in a, in a way. Some of the stuff he did wasn't good enough. But when you're starved of possession and opportunities, it's very difficult to suddenly be in a football match. But there was a moment, I think, in the first half where the ball went up to him and he chested it back or, or just laid it off to Punchin, uh, which was just brilliant. It was a really early ball from the, from the right-hand side, I think, by Tompkins. Right up to Benteke, he got above his defender, muscled him out of the way, knocked it back to Punchin, who had a, a, a good opportunity to shoot. And I think he either smashed it high or, or, or put the ball out of play or something like that. But it was a nice move. It was quick. We looked decisive. We looked confident. That's how you use Christian Benteke. The idea that Christian Benteke is rubbish and a huge waste of money absolutely does my nut in. If you can't see that he's a good footballer, then I, I really fear for you. I really do. Do we have any alternate views on the panel? I'll start with you, Nick. Unfortunately, and I hate doing it, Hambo, I've got to agree with everything you just said, but, but I will put a, a slightly different spin on it. We're not playing him in the system that he will be comfortable with or that he will be more effective with. Um, he's... He is a quality, quality striker. And for all the morons out there who are getting on his case, okay, yeah, he's only a fortune, but you know what? Get, deal with it, okay? What will happen now if 
BFS, okay, Sam Allardyce has got anything about him now. What he will do is he will play a little bit of a run with him and Remy side by side, okay, and play the flat back four, okay, bolster up the midfield a little bit with maybe a signing or maybe we've already got one, that, uh, this schlup guy, and play 4-4-2, Get him the service from wide. Okay, if you think about yesterday's game, we only put one ball on his nut. Okay, um, and that, and that was defended well by West Ham. I think if they put him on the four four two system, you will find that guy will turn around. Hold on a minute, he's also scored eight or nine goals for us already. Okay, yeah. so, and and this is the so called shit player. Get a life, you lot out there, because I'm sorry, he's a quality quality striker. He'd have he'd have ten if he'd put those penalties away that he's missed. Um, yeah. But. You know, uh, Jack. So, so, sorry. First of all, your views on on Benteke. Well, just just looking at sort of the scoring charts in the Premier League, there's only ten players that have scored more goals in the league than him. They are Hazard, Mane, Ali, Aguero, Lukaku, Defoe, Kane, Ibrahimovic, Costa, and Sanchez. So some there's some world class names in there. Most of those players are absolutely fantastic. So he is getting us goals, and I don't think. I don't, I don't know who else would get those goals for us. I think he's perfect for our team. And I think, you know, for the people who are saying he's a massive waste of money and, you know, let's just, get, let's just sell him off to China. You know, who do we replace him with? He's he's perfect for the system we can play. We know we can play. Um, so, no, I, I think he's perfect for the mould at the moment. And he's, he's actually doing a really good job. He started the season really well. Um, if it wasn't, for, if, you know, if he had scored those two penalties, you know, things would be really different. And I'm sure the mood around Benteke would have changed. Definitely. Patrick, you got anything to add on Benteke? No, I'm with I'm with you. I, I love that stat that Jack threw. I I don't understand it. I really don't. Um, again, we're not playing to his strengths. I I'm with you, Chris. It's definitely because of the penalty misses and the China um so-called offer that's unsettled the fans more than him. I think, and they're against him. I don't get it. I mean, I always used to complain uh, last year about uh, Dwight Gale not getting service, and that's why he wasn't that successful. And when Benteke got service from from Wolf especially, look at he scored eight goals and I think it was eight in the first like twelve, thirteen matches. He hasn't scored in the yeah. last four or five. And now he's the service has dried up, he's not scoring. So how is that his fault? You're right. They want people they want him to run around like Cram and Jerome did. You know, yeah, head yeah. this chicken up front, put in that effort. You know, like people say players love a love a trier, but this guy's a quality player. Jack just gave you the, the, the numbers. Every any player ahead of him is a world class, you know, really, really top quality European or, or English forward that scores goals and he's 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 right behind them. So I don't I don't understand that. But anti Benteke stuff again. If it's not Hennessy, it's Benteke. If it's not Benteke, it's Kabai. If it's not Kabai, it's something. We're we're looking for people to um to scapegoat. I'm I'm one of the worst per- people because I do it with, with Hennessy. But I think Hennessy's got a much more valid reason than Benteke does to be a scapegoat. Honestly, uh, it's an interesting point when we talk we talk about the, the service and all that kind of stuff and how Palace fans love a try more than they love a, a striker who plays the way Benteke does. It does kind of bring, does kind of raise the, the, the question, if you like, that, well, maybe maybe he is a bad signing for us because we've signed the wrong type of player, you know, for the, for the like, players like that we've Dubai. got. Like Dubai, you're right. Like Dubai. There's, there's certainly an argument there, and I'm going to leave, leave that there for future shows and what have you, because that's, you know, because this isn't a case of just saying, no, you're wrong, Benteke is a great player. I, st- I think Benteke is a great player, but I would certainly think that there is a, a debate to be had around whether or not he's the right player for us the way we're currently playing. But that's down to the manager to sort out. He's got to try to find a way of using the fact that we have a great player in Benteke. We have an undoubtedly great player in Kabai as well. Um, and let's see if we can get those two working absolutely spot on. And it kind of leads on to a tweet we got in from, well, it's at Media Easier. Um, 
You're talking about struggling to see where the goals are going to come from unless we have a full-time number 10 playing permanently behind Ben Teke. Well, you know, there we go. Maybe, well, not whether Kabai is that, that player, I don't know. He can play there. Whether he's, he's there supplying Ben Teke, I don't know. Whether or not we're talking about playing Remy and Ben Teke alongside each other with Remy doing a bit of that business. Not sure. We'll see what happens. Uh, another t- uh, tweet we got in from Billy McLaren was talking about also agreeing with you, Patrick, over McCarthy getting dropped for four mistakes. So why does Hennessy get chance after chance? Uh, can't h- hurt to give Jules another go. Uh, also got an email in from Musabio, which is a fantastic name. Uh, Patrick spot on in his analysis, and, and I understand about Murray and Jednak. Can't understand why we let Gale go and kept Campbell, though. Really? Again, <laughs> again. Tell no him way, Chris. I, I know where you're coming from. Why? Because you can sell Dwight Gale, you can't sell Fraser Campbell. <laughs> exactly. And that's right? it. it, comes just down to that, exactly. All right, but more importantly, Gale wanted to go because he wasn't getting opportunities at Palace. You've got a player that wants to leave versus a player that's on a decent enough contract. It doesn't. And a player that is a saleable asset to a, to a team in the Championship who've got the money to pay for him versus a player who's not really a saleable asset. As a couple of teams you were interested in Campbell, I think Wolves and there was one other who escapes me who were actually interested in him but you know when you can get that sort of money for Gale and you've got to keep Campbell once you've sold Gale you've got to have that, that striker in there that's the reason why but I appreciate where you're coming from uh, Neville's got in touch from Malta says totally agree with you Ben Teke is world class never had a centre forward like him before but nonetheless we do need to give him good service the way Chester ball knocks it down to others is impressive that's what it's all about Nick Chatroom uh, along the same lines, John, the programme seller, saying the gap between him and the midfield, you could drive a double-decker bus through it because of the movement from the midfield is non- non-existent. Um, uh, uh, Tim Gypsy Hill, 64. Why would Ben Teke be in the box when there's no ball being crossed into him? Okay. Jeff underscore Thomas, lazy or F off. Okay, I don't know what, who he's going on. That might be aimed ben at Teke, me, I think. <laughs> John, the programme seller, says, again, says... He says he's not. He gets into the right positions and no one puts the ball into those positions. That's the problem. Patrick. And Chris, yeah, one more thing. Uh, if you were watching a match yesterday, and we all did, obviously, do you notice how no one runs in behind Benteke the way Wilf does? I was so frustrated a couple of times Townsend. Just, there was a play when um, Puncher made a tremendous run from halfway line, looking to play the ball wide to someone, and I think Townsend was a 10 yards behind him. No one runs in behind him. And if you don't run in behind Benteke, you don't create that space. There's no opportunities created. So whoever's mentioned that about the, the double-decker bus, he's right. There's a huge gap between our midfield and Benteke. And for me, Remy's the solution or someone else. Because if Carter doesn't get up like he did against, let's say, Liverpool or Man United, or Puncher doesn't get forward, there's a big gap. And then he's look, he looks like a fool chasing around for running off the ball when no one's near him. So I think, again... Uh, Townsend's style of play does not suit us right now. He just doesn't want to run in behind. Yeah, you're absolutely right. If you don't get, if those two wide players aren't able to tuck in and get involved, which right. again, Punch did a few times. Again, Punch seems a little off form to me at the moment, but oh, but he does, yeah. he does he does try and get in and get involved. Uh, but you're right. Townsend has to do the same on, on the on the other side. But you know the actual the structure's there, right? So again, ignoring the fact that we seem to completely run out of breath as soon as we. We uh, made the mistake and, and lost the goal. It just went to pieces. If you if you take us up to that before that point, we looked like a compact side who had a, who had a plan, as, as Jack was saying earlier, and that plan was to try and feed the ball into Benteke to hold it up. You had Ledley who was sitting back, and you had Kabai and MacArthur pushing forward from the central midfield, and you had the two wide players coming in to get involved as well. The failure was in, as Patrick has pointed out, one of the wide players just not getting involved enough, and the failure was in. 
the ball was being played forward to uh, Benteke either as a hit and hope or way too early, right? That that's where I saw the failure, and that's why we didn't create any real chances. But having said that, the setup was there. What we didn't do, which was really disappointing for me to sort of kind of finish this this show off, what was really disappointing for me was we didn't respond to the changes that West Ham made at half time. Right. So my the, you know people will think I've got the knives out for Allardyce because I didn't want him appointed in the first place. Right. I'm not you know I'm not a fan of Sam Allardyce. Right. But he is our manager. I accept it, and I and I want us to win. So I'm not I'm not I've not got the knives out for him. But we took we didn't respond to the change that, that West Ham made that got them right back in the game until we conceded. Oh, that's just so wrong for me. We really we needed to adjust. They went 4-4-2 from a 3-4-3. And all of a sudden, we we had an extra body in midfield, but it made it look like they had, they did. You know, do you see what I mean? It's like we, we kind of... It should have actually played into our hands. We should have been able to say, OK, well, instead of having 3v3 in the sort of centre of midfield here, We've we've kind of got we've kind of got this spare person. So let's 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 push him a little bit further forward. Try and link up that play a little bit better. But we didn't really do anything. And again, I would say that's a failure of, of the players and as much as the management. But there we go. We did go four four two late on, but way too late by that point. People's heads had gone, and by the end of the game, it didn't look like anyone knew where they were supposed to be playing. Uh, and and that's why Sam Allardyce's comments at the end of the game were that he was shocked. You know, and uh, we were shocked as well. But what I will say is that you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be there at Sellers Park on Tuesday night against Bolton. You know I'll be there I'll be there against Everton. And I've kind of I said I said during the conversation we had with Steve Parrish about what was it ten days ago something like that. I said to, to him during that was I kind of looked at myself before while writing the questions and thought am I am I actually a bit a bit spoiled. Am I behaving in a way that I would expect myself to behave with, with how angry I'm getting about Palace at the moment? And I did think, and I can, I can actually remember thinking it when we were in ad- admin and it was looking bad for us and before the Lloyds protests and all that kind of stuff. I remember looking into the Premier League and thinking, those, even the team at the very bottom there, you do not realise what you've got. Like you're, you're sitting there on your message boards, you're moaning, you're talking about your players being absolutely rubbish and all that sort of stuff. We've got barely got a squad of players and we might not exist in two weeks i would swap what you've got for what we've got any second of the day you are so you know i had this whole kind of it's the so spoiled fans in the premier league attitude and all this kind of stuff and i do worry that's what we've become i can think there's logic behind everything that we say and how angry and frustrated we are there really is but can't do anything about that all we can do is is go and support the team you know and yeah. and, and, that, and that's I've kind of made my peace with it, and that's what I'm going to do. You know, what will be, what will be will be. The worst that happens to us is we get relegated into the championship. We get relegated into the championship. It'll cost me a damn sight more money because I won't be able to illegally stream games. I can't get to. I'll have to find some <laughs> way of get, to find some way of getting to them then. But uh, but you know, I mean, it, in some ways, you've seen clubs. You know, you pick out teams like Southampton and even Man City to a point who have gone down, and it's. It's been the making of them, you know. You, they've got they've got a chance to shift a few players, shift a bit of deadwood. If we went, we go. If we do go down, we go down as a club that has benefited from investment in, in some investment in facilities, uh, in, an investment from overseas as well in terms of, of guaranteeing our future. We go down with better players. We go down with 
you know, a, a larger fan base, if you like, we got a much better chance of, of just seeing that out and coming back the year after. A little bit like Newcastle are doing. That's just the way to, I'm going to look just, at it. Just to jump onto that, um, some of the comments I've seen on social media aimed at Steve Parrish are just so wrong. I mean, I mean, you know, we had him on the show here the other week. You listen to him um, speak, he loves his club and just... Some of the sticks some fans are giving him is just so out of order at the moment. I think he's doing great things for the club. Absolutely agree with that. Absolutely agree with that. And, you know, if I can just come in as well, Chris, I mean, you, you just said some great words there. And I quite agree with what you just said, Jack. And, and the fans out there that are saying, uh, I'm not going this weekend. I've had enough. Uh, I can't be doing this. You need to stand in front of the mirror, have a good, long look at yourselves and think about what Chris has just said. Oh, look, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to sort of, most of the people who who listen to this show would would do would, would be going. You know what I mean. Most of the people, if they and those that can't, probably live in another country. It's you know, I mean, with, you know, people who, who engage with us are dedicated to Palace. And, look, I don't blame anyone who's who's kind of had enough. If it, it costs you money and it costs you time, it's difficult to take sometimes. But you've got to have a bit of perspective. You have to. You know, everyone has a right to be to be angry. And but the truth is that everyone who says, oh, you know, I'm fed up with the Premier League, well. You know, if you're fed up with the Premier League, why are you angry now? <laughs> you know, it just look. I, look, I don't want to go. I don't want us to get relegated. I really don't. I actually want us to. And the reasons I want, I want us to get relegated is because I don't want it to be years and years and years and years until we get a proper stadium. Uh, and I don't mean to disrespect Sellers, but parts of it are not <laughs> really acceptable for any level of football. Um, until we get, you know, a, a proper academy training ground and all those sort of things. Until we're actually a proper professional setup that we need to be that's what that's why I, I want us to remain in the premier league i'm just saying that if the worst happens it's not that bad considering what we've been through it's not that bad really you know it'll be a pain and it will hurt particularly if brighton get promoted oh my yes God. absolutely be, you, you know of course that'll be the worst bit that'll be the worst bit it'll be, it'll be, be, yeah, it'll be <laughs> horrific but but it's not the worst thing in the world you know and uh and, and if we stay with the club you know we keep supporting them there's nothing, no reason to believe that if the worst did happen, we couldn't put it right that the very next season and bounce straight back. But anyway, that's what I just wanted to get that off my chest. So uh, thank you so much. We had so much contact today. Really sorry we couldn't get to it all. Thank you to our callers, uh, especially Gary, who got cut off unceremoniously. It's <laughs> a bit unfair. But uh, so much more. Thank you to everyone who joined us by Facebook for the first time this week. I uh, hope you'll be joining us again in future weeks. I believe Terence Ford will be doing a preview podcast in midweek. I'll uh, be back now he's now he's well again um, now I'll obviously be previewing the Everton game um, other, than, other than that we'll be back same time 8pm next week thank you so much cheers bye every picture tells a story keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homesdale Radio Homesdale Radio sponsored by fanjewel.co.uk the next generation of fantasy football it's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.